0: Welcome, everyone, to The Jake Dunlap Show. This is your weekly dose of real success stories from entrepreneurs, athletes, celebrities, CEOs, and the people that you love. If you've ever wondered what makes people tick, what are the weird things that happened to them in their past that helped to shape the people that they've became? every Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern, you can tune in and get exactly that. The behind behind the scenes, not the typical behind the scenes, but the real stories that shaped some of the people that you know, love and follow. All right. What's going on, everybody? Hope everyone had a good weekend. Good start to your week. Maybe it's your end of quarter coming up here. So you got to Tough couple of weeks coming up for all my people that are on the Salesforce calendar. I know a lot of our partners are sprinting to the finish line right now. So uh, good luck to everyone out there selling. Um, excited for today's conversation. If you've been following me on LinkedIn, um, well, you're joining from LinkedIn. So chances are you follow me on LinkedIn or some version of that. Um you know, I've just been talking about AI and generative AI and ChatGPT pretty much 24-7. So today's topic, obviously, we will talk a little bit about it, but I'm going to switch it up a little bit. And I'm going to talk a little bit about um, other parts that are, I'm excited about around the sales process and sales um, you know, operation slash revenue operations uh, world that I think are going to be mission critical for all of you to, to really stay in front of. I'm just pulling up my LinkedIn Live here so I can comment. Make sure as you drop it, Um, make sure, feel free, everyone, drop in uh, where you're joining from. It's always a fun thing for me. Um, And yeah, looking forward to to diving in. Okay, so what are we going to do to drive revenue in 2024? What are the trends? I'll start by saying this. I can't predict what's going to happen for the economy. I can't predict it. I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you like, you know, on Q1 of next year, it's going to be better. Or Q2, or maybe it's late Q4 this year. I don't know. All I can do is prepare for worst case. Um, there's no point in preparing for best case, just in case you've never learned that lesson. Um, if best case happens, you already know what to do. So you need to make sure you're setting things up, you know, for the, call it the medium, the long-term, etc. So here's the four things I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about the difference between rev ops and sales ops. I'm going to talk about... Um, why revenue operations should be a top priority for you, um, how to make sure, make it quantifiable, and then how to get started. And these kind of four areas here. And if you're a frontline seller and you're watching too, this is just as applicable to you, maybe even more applicable because you have to, you know, sellers have to think of their own pipeline, their own sales process as its own you know, your own funnel, it's your own process. And if you don't know your numbers, if you don't know, hey, I'm really good at converting here, Um, compared to my peers, I'm doing worse here. Um, It's difficult for you to get better as well, too. So for anybody out there, I want you to really think about, you know, those things. So again, feel free, drop in, you know, let me know where you're joining from, if you're joining me here on LinkedIn, um, and we're going to jump into it. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about RevOps, um, and the difference between RevOps and SalesOps, okay? And a lot of organizations um, started calling things RevOps, but it was not RevOps. It was just SalesOps 2.0. So um, sales operations many at many organizations it becomes like a task-doer organization where operations doesn't get a big enough seat at the table to drive strategy, And instead, it ends up being you're creating a lot of small projects and checking a lot of boxes and getting things done. But it's just not, it doesn't move the needle the way that people want it to. And so think of RevOps. RevOps is really giving you a holistic view of your your customer journey from how do we interact with these people through all the various stages to how do they how do we churn and offboard them? Right. So and 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 why it's so powerful to have one view is if everybody's in silos, they tend to just care about their own world. This is what I'm doing. This is my own world. My job is to get somebody from this step to this step, and then I go away, and then this other person takes over. And that's partially, if I'm just being candid, that's partially why we've created such a terrible customer experience, is that we've all, uh, from an operations, or even from a playbook standpoint, we're only looking at one sliver of the customer segment and not looking at it holistically. And so why, why every organization needs a strategic revenue operations leader organization is step one is it all starts with the customer experience. If you have a bunch of silos, I promise you your customer experience is going to be disjointed. Right? If you've got marketing compensated on this, sales compensated on this, you know, customer success compensated on that, I promise your customers are suffering. And so Think of, you know, the big difference is, it's not just, you know, looking at the sales component, it's looking at the holistic, um, you know, the holistic sales journey, and then aligning that to the customer, and what's ideal for the customer. So think of it like that. The other thing I'll, I'll mention is that a lot of times, whenever we hear the word operations, we immediately think operations equals technology. And because we've got like enablement and we've called sales operations, sales operations for so long. The other thing that I'll I'll mention here is RevOps is also your sales playbook. RevOps is also, you know, other enablement content. It, It is a, you know, technology is usually just helping to solve a process problem first. There's a process problem that we need to maybe fix a process on and then the technology to underpin it. When you try to solve process problems by technology first, it doesn't ever end up solving the problem. Hey, we've got more deals stuck here. Let's add more fields so they get filled out. Mm, yeah, well, that, that didn't actually help to do it because we actually needed to fix the playbook for step three. So think of that as your big differences. That really, RevOps is looking across the whole revenue organization and they're looking at process and technology, not just technology. Okay, Next up, I'm going to talk about this. I'm just going to copy and paste it into the chat for all of you as well, too. Um, This is point two. I guess I could have copied and pasted in point three. Oh, my bullets didn't copy and paste in. Okay. Um, So how can you make this a priority? Okay. So obviously, I don't think what I'm saying sounds illogical. Hopefully, it doesn't. Maybe there's parts of it. Um, That, yes, we would want to have this holistic organization that is able to really optimize our customer experience, and if you're RevOps, if you kind of tackle RevOps with that mindset, that RevOps goal is to optimize our customer experience, and, and therefore hopefully conversion between or you know nurturing or whatever it is, it just changes the whole mindset of, of RevOps being about you know uh, technology, right? It's like wow, okay, so we're trying to drive change here. We're trying to you know do things differently here. Okay, so again, when you have a unified... like, so, so what RevOps will allow you to do is have a unified growth strategy. Okay, that, you know, if you think about it, when we had full cycle sales reps, and I have been posting a little bit about this too, that, you know, uh, you know generated their own meetings, closed their own deals, and worked with the current customers, you already had a unified experience. The problem is we stopped doing that. Right. And we moved to these specialized roles. And so nobody was looking at the holistic experience. And so, as we see more organizations move to this kind of hybrid model where you've got specialization and these folks, you know, the unified strategy is number one. Enhanced customer experience. I already talked about that. Um, It's pretty remarkable um, when you look at it from a customer's vantage point about the, the, Having someone that's looking out for their best interest and what's right for the customer at each step versus just someone's sliver within it. Um, And then last but not least is data driven decision making. If you only know your part of the equation and you're only focused on your part of the equation, you're going to make decisions that are not based on the full picture. I'll give you an example here. I'm looking at my funnel. I'm looking at my dashboard over here, beep, boop, beep. And it says, this sales department, the German team, they are struggling at converting from step three to step four. Okay, you know what we need to do? We need to implement Medic. (laughs) Because then we can do value-based, whatever it is, insert, whatever. So if you're just looking at that, well, what you're not looking at is if you go back and you look at the data behind the deals that are pushing versus the deals that are moving, You know, in the doc region, it looks like it's actually at the marketing piece, they're all coming from webinars, right? Whatever, insert thing. And the other regions just aren't doing webinars. And so it's an artificial data point. So, so the answer isn't we need to go implement Medic or some other sales process. The answer is we need to go and maybe create another you know, kind of intent funnel for people from webinars to get more interested before they're ready to jump into the sales cycle. So again, if you don't, if you're not looking holistically and you're just looking at your piece, you are going to consistently be solving the wrong problems. You're going to consistently solve what you can see versus what's the bigger picture telling me. And I can pull out 85 examples of churn, you know, all of those things. Okay, now you got, now now this one, I I spoke uh, to a private equity uh, firm, a great partner of ours, uh, PSG. If you all are looking for an amazing PE partner, um, PSG has been just a super, super group to work with. And we've worked with you know, a bunch of their portfolio companies. Um, but I was doing a talk for, the, for their portfolio companies. And the question came up and said, Jake, what is the ROI, um, or is to the group, um, of revenue operations? How do we show that it's having an impact? And so I'll just kind of I'm going to drop in some of those reasons here. We've got a quiet group today. I Guess it's Monday. You know the Q and A has been less than normal. Feel free, you know, drop some Q and A in there. Drop a hey, Jake, what's going on in there? Let me know again where you're joining from. That's always the fun part for me. Usually we got people from all over the world, which is amazing. Um, so the answer is very simple. When someone says, Jake, how should revenue operations be metric? Is it Number of, is it usage metrics? They're using the technology. Um, You know, or some type of adoption metrics. Is it, uh, what are some other ones? Like number of, um, I don't know, trainings that you've done or number, oh, oh, this is the one. Is it number of like tickets uh, that we've answered, right? Or like requests I And I kind of was like, just stop. Like, we got to stop. I'm going to stop the train right now. There is only one way revenue operations should be measured is return on investment. Revenue operations should just only be responsible for doing a handful of things. One, shortening your sales cycle, looking for very specific areas that we can optimize so I can look at my sales cycle, Um, increasing my conversion rates or right-sizing my conversion rates, right? Because we have an optimized process in tech, we're converting more people, Um, increasing my deal size or increasing my team's productivity. That's it. That's it. So your RevOps team, depending on what they're focused on for that six-month period, the way that you prove ROI should be very measurable. And if RevOps is focused on these types of projects, we can look at rep productivity. Before, our reps were able to run 10 demos. Now they can run 12. Boom. Revenue. So there you go. Revenue, again, what's the ROI of RevOps? It should be just, if you want to very simplify it, there's probably those four buckets. I'm probably missing something too, but average sales price, sales cycle, conversion rate, and team productivity. It's going to be one of those three. So what's going on, Philip? What's going on, John? Um, good to hear from you guys. So yeah, I hope, that, I hope that helps everyone on the ROI side. And then the last thing I'm going to talk about with RevOps is, is what do I actually need to freaking do? Like, how do I actually get started here. Um, And I'm going to drop in some... And again, the formatting sucks, so I apologize in advance here that it's not coming out the way that I was hoping. But you all can follow along. You're smart people. Um, So, okay. Step one, and again, I'll use the word assessment here, but, um, you know, it's... uh, Assessment just feels maybe, I don't know, a little like non-actionable. It's probably the right time. And I'm also going to drop a link in here um, you know, for you all. Obviously, we do a ton of RevOps consulting. So, if this is something that's top of mind, make sure to book time with me and the team. Um, but you need to do a quick evaluation, and here's what I want you to do: I want you to do a customer journey walkthrough. We've got kind of these six points. And Becca, I think you're you're on. I know, I know you're on this. Um, do we have? the sample maturity assessment or like a screenshot or something, or maybe a link to the website we could send somebody. So I want you all to see this, like there's kind of like these six areas that you can look at across your rev ops. And it's, you can just look at what we're doing and just mimic it. Um, but you need to look at that customer experience. Okay. What's happening. And it's usually like a three or four hour exercise with like your go to market leaders. Um, and then usually you want to get feedback from the field too about what actually is happening that I can't see the data in, uh, in Salesforce or whatever CRM. Um, So long story short is you want to review what's actually happening. And you want to look at the process. What's happening? What are my customers going through? And then how are we using technology there? What are our customers asking for, etc.? So that would be, you know, step one is like, don't, you know, too often, again, it's like we because we're not taking a holistic view, we look at one tool, and we say, you know, gong isn't working. Nobody's using gong, or we're only using gong for call recording. Well, it's not Gong's fault, necessarily. You know, it could be that, again, there's a value chain of, well, why aren't we using it here? How are we using that data with our current customers to get our CS team up to speed? So you you really can't look at your tech stack in these just small slivers because you will miss out on a lot of the stories. So you want to do an assessment of, like, the end-to-end process. We've got a customer journey map Um, DM me. Actually, just do me a favor. In the comments, just, just drop a Y, just literally the letter Y. And I'll have my team DM you our customer journey map. It's, you can just go look at it. It's, we built it in Mural. It's free. Um, you can mess with it. Okay. Then once I understand it, then I can look at again, what is a technology problem and what is a process problem? Okay, great. And I've identified these areas. The other thing that I will say is that when you get to the recommendations phase, right? So after you've done this, the, the, there is a definition that one of the, well, there's a lot of funny things that, uh, that I've realized over the years. Um, one is that there can be only one bottleneck. And so when you do your, your assessment, and this is where I think our team is really good, is it's like, yeah, I look, I know we can do these other four things. This is what's hurting you the most. Let's fix that. And I think too often RevOps starts to check a bunch of boxes and it's like they've got five projects instead of w- getting one meaningful project over the finish line. So, you know, that's always a good one. Um, all right, guys, thanks for dropping the Y in there. I will make sure to that the team Well, i will DM you a couple of links um, for sure. So it was much better for your RevOps to have like one big project. As opposed to checking a million boxes. I mean, I shouldn't, it's not always the case. I guess uh, there's some arguments I could see for certain use cases, but too many companies are trying to solve um, 40 bo- like 30 bottlenecks, and there's one bottleneck that would unlock revenue the most. One of my favorite quotes, I don't know where I heard this, um, is the word, uh, is it priorities? Yeah. There was no such thing as the word priorities until like the 1920s or some shit. Um, because there can be only one priority. So when you finish your assessment phase of this, f- understand what the one priority is. What's the one bottleneck that we could alleviate the one priority? Then you invest in, again, kind of technology and how it's flowing and the process improvements. Um, this next one, clear communication channels. This is really important. Um, probably the big, one of the bigger myths around how to get started. So you're going to do your assessment. You're then going to think about where you're using technology and process in the process. And then you have to make sure that you're getting feedback from the front lines. Uh, You know, anytime we come in on a failed RevOps initiative or issue, it almost always is frontline leaders weren't involved. um, Reps that actually know what's going on were not involved. And people are making decisions on high. So you have to have... We use a framework called RAPID. Um let me just copy and paste in the definition for you all here rapid decision making we stole this from um oh, stole is a, a harsh word let's say we borrowed this from uh Bain consulting and you know they do a pretty good job of consulting um so there you go you can look at this rapid decision making i just dropped it in there it really helps to get everyone aligned it's like okay who's the team that's going to perform this and so as a consulting firm we're usually the p um Okay, who do we need to get input from? Some people call those tiger teams. So, okay, I've got a team of reps, team of frontline managers, and again, not everybody gets this they get input. Okay. Who then needs to agree first? Okay, that's probably the frontline managers, okay? So they're going to be my agree team. Um then next, um who's kind of the 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 um the r- final recommender? Okay, that's going to be the VP of sales and the final decision maker is the uh, CRO. So, rapid um does a really amazing um, kind of component of really allowing these cross-functional teams and avoiding what I see happen all the time, which is death by a million paper cuts and a million opinions. Everyone's got an opinion on a lot of stuff so don't do that and then make sure that you can measure analyze and optimize so once you kind of go through this journey the the final mindset so i've assessed what i have i've looked at the process and technology improvements i need to make we've got this really great high functioning communicating team you have to be able to measure analyze and optimize okay like this is not an exercise this is your business your business never stops being optimized. (laughs) There just is another bottleneck. Once you alleviate a bottleneck, there is then another one and another one and another one. DJ Khaled. Sorry, I just realized I was quoting DJ Khaled. So you guys get my point, all right? That it never ends. You never stop optimizing it. My friends across the pond are probably like, DJ Khaled, what is this guy talking about? Um, Okay, there we go. Boom, Becca just dropped in for you all. The, so all, all you folks who dropped a Y, um, Becca, do you have the mural board template? Let me see if I can find it real quick to save everybody some time. Yep, this is it. I found it. All right, cool. So for everyone who typed a Y, I'm going to do you one better. I actually found the link myself. So there it is right there. So that, that mural board is where we created this kind of like customer journey map. It's pretty... Pretty awesome. So that's what's up, everyone. There's your like, I mean, that was a 20 minute RevOps crash course. Okay, if you are an organization that's trying to get serious about this, obviously, I put my link in there book time with me. Um, if you haven't signed up already for the stuff we're doing on AI, um, I will drop in there as a part of this. Sign up. That we've got the Thursday workshops. I know a lot of you probably attend the Thursdays. We've got our prompt guide that can get you all the prompts you need for ChatGPT, and then we've got a bunch of people signing up for the workshops, which are just more hands-on ways to use generative AI in your um, sales process. But again, RevOps, and again, is my you know jam, and why I'm. And it's probably one of the biggest reasons I'm so big on AI is is generative AI. At least in my my humble opinion, is one of the biggest unlocks for revenue operations, if used correctly. But most, you know, a lot of teams are struggling there. So again, if you're an organization, um, you're trying to work through some of these, definitely reach out, book some time with myself and the team. And, you know, again, RevOps to me is is probably the most important thing for organizations to figure out right now. Because customers are going to demand it. Customers are going to demand that we have kind of our shit together and a unified customer experience versus a, you know, disjointed whatever. Process it is, and um, as you have to do more with less, the classic, the good old do more with less. You don't have the option of just throwing more bodies at problems anymore. Sales leaders, we can't just hire more. We can't hire our way out of this. We can't more activity our way out of this. We've got to be more clever. We've got to be more productive. We've got to figure out revenue operations. So if you're out there and you're like, you know, we've got to do this. We've got to do more with less. I have the answer for you. I'm giving you the answer. It's what I just talked about now. So make sure everyone, if you have any questions, you know, hit me up. Um, And yeah, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to share this with some of your senior leaders if it's helpful and book some time if it makes sense. So thanks again, everyone. Have a great rest of your week. Bye, y'all thank you everyone again for listening to another episode if you are listening all the way to the end i hope you have left a review i hope that you make sure that you're following or subscribing on your favorite podcast listening apparatus we'll be back next thursday and again make sure to check out the monday episodes as well too a lot of people are really enjoying these kind of mini episode Mondays, so make sure to tune in subscribe and leave a review